Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with David's attitude towards death as we pick up in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 19. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. And he heard the servants whispering and he said, is the child dead? And they said, yes. David got up, went in, took a shower, dressed himself, fresh clothes came out and he ordered dinner. They said, man, we don't understand you. While the child was sick, you're lying there, groaning, not eating, filthy. Now that the child is dead, you've showered and you want to eat, you want a dinner. What's going on? And he said, as long as the child was alive, I had hope that God might be gracious and spare the child's life. But now that the child is dead, I can't do anything more. I think that David really had a very healthy attitude towards death. What more can you do? He said, I shall go to be where he is, though he cannot return to me. David showing his confidence in life after death. David showing confidence that his child was with the Lord, that his child was saved, and that he would go to be with his child, though his child would not be able to return to him. I shall go to be where he is, though he cannot return to me. Our children who die before they are at an age of accountability go to be with the Lord. Though they cannot return, we look forward to that day when we shall go to be with them. Now, after the death of the child, David comforted Bathsheba and she conceived and she had another child and she called his name Solomon. But Nathan the prophet came with God's name for Solomon and God's name for him was Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord. Now, there to me is real grace. Though God, for purposes that we do not fully understand, took the first child of David and Bathsheba, yet the second child God named beloved of the Lord. So there was God's grace in operation. And of course, Solomon became David's favorite son and took the throne after David. But 
David has a rocky road ahead. The sword is not to depart from his house. There's going to be family problems developing. His wives are going to be humiliated, and, and these things are going to come to pass. David's sin is not going to go unpunished. The price must still be paid for the past misdeed, even though God's grace is operative through the whole thing, and God gives to David and Bathsheba another son, whom God calls beloved of God. So we find that the problems begin very soon thereafter. David had a son by the name of Amnon, and Amnon was talking with a man who was called his friend, and yet I would challenge that, because any man who would help you and advise you in the fulfilling of a sinful desire could not be a true friend to you. Any man who would encourage you to a sinful act cannot be a true friend. And Amnon was sick. His friend said, what's the matter with you? He said, oh, I'm so in love with my sister Tamar. She was actually a half-sister to him. She was a daughter of David, but she was the daughter of the Gezerite wife who was also the mother of Absalom, David's son. And he said, I, I'm just sick. I'm so in love with her. I can't eat. I can't do anything. I'm just in love. I'm in love. And the fellow said, well, look, just lie in your bed and pretend that you're really sicker than you are. And when your dad comes to visit, say, oh, dad, let my sister Tamar come and fix meat in my sight and feed me. It'll make me feel so much better. So David came to visit his son Amnon. And Amnon said, oh, Dad, if you'd just allow Tamar to come and fix me some bread and some food in my sight and feed me, oh, it'd make me feel so good. So David sent Tamar over, and there in his sight she baked the, the bread and all, fixed it for him. She went to give it to him. He said, oh, no, and he sent all the servants out. And he said, bring it into my bedroom and feed it to me. And so she went into the bedroom and he grabbed hold of her and he said, lie with me. And she said, oh, Amnon, don't do this sin. This is wrong. Look, if you just ask my father David, he'll probably make arrangements, I can marry you. Don't do this. But he did not hearken to her voice. But he raped her. And then he sent her out. He said, get out of here. For there came an abhorrence of her, and the hatred of her was greater than the love that he had previously felt. It is interesting how closely akin are our emotions. Emotions are sort of a weird thing. Now, many gifted public speakers know how to play on the emotions of the people. And 
they will tell jokes for the purpose of getting people to laugh because they know if they can get people really laughing that it isn't but just a little click for people to be, your, your emotions are in gear, your emotions are working. Once your emotions are working, they, they can do weird things. You can go from laughing to crying in just a moment. Have you ever seen a baby uh, and the change of emotions? You know, you come in and they'll, you know, and then all of a sudden the lip will turn down and, 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 and they'll start to cry. You think, well, what happened, you know? Uh, but that's just how crazy our emotions are. So speakers, some of the psychological speakers that know that emotions are this way, they tell these jokes, get everybody laughing, and then they can just flip them right on to tears. Because you got your emotions going now, and, and once they're going, you can just play games with them. Now, Amnon expressed a tremendous love for his sister, which was not a love at all. One of the statements that is made so often today, which really is so far from truth that it should be banished as a phraseology, is for a person to say, let's, let's make love, as though the sex act is making love. Many times there is absolutely no love at all involved in the sex act. It is purely a person seeking gratification for a certain biological drive. But no real, true love involved at all. And people who go to the bars on Friday nights to find their true lover will never find them. They will find an experience. And it is interesting. A fellow says, well, I'm going out to look for a girl tonight. I want to find someone to make love with. In reality, he's not even looking for a girl. He's only looking to satisfy a biological drive within him. And a girl happens to be necessary to satisfy that drive. But he's not really looking for a girl. He's not really looking for love. He's not really looking for a meaningful experience. And we see the world around us living like animals. There's no difference between that and the animal kingdom. There is no love involved in those kind of experiences. And it's tragic that so often people desiring and wanting love are going out seeking to find love in that kind of an experience. And women are so often such suckers because they will give sex in order to get love or get what they hope will be love, but you never get love that way. 
And men will give love in order to get sex. That is, they will give a demonstration of love. And so one disappointment after another, one heartbreak after another, one disappointing experience after another, and the crazy world around us searching for love. And Hollywood has deceived them all, thinking that love is some romantic moment under the moon. And that you can just fall in love. But the case of Amnon is a very classic case in point. How that he was only using his sister. He had no real desire for her, for her benefit. He was only seeking for his own personal gratification. And once it came, he discarded the object like a dirty rag. Would have nothing to do with her. He wasn't looking for a meaningful relationship. He wasn't looking for a wife. He wasn't looking for someone that he could bestow true love upon and to benefit her and to, and to build her up and to bless her with his actions of kindness and goodness. He was just seeking an object through which he could gratify his own fleshly desires and was willing to discard her once that had been accomplished. Gals, when are you going to wake up? But that fellow who's coming on so strong the fellow who is desiring to have sex with you before you get married, trying to rush things, trying to give you the old baloney about everybody does it. You know, and after all, how are we going to know if we're really matched or not? He's not really looking to give true love and meaningful love. He's putting on a big act so he can gratify his own fleshly desires. And when you no longer satisfy those fleshly desires, he'll discard you and you're going to be left heartbroken, disillusioned. That's not the kind of love you need. That's not the kind of love you want. That's not the kind of love God wants you to have. God wants you to have a meaningful experience of love. And the sex act is not intended to just be a clinical, biological action fulfilling certain biological drives, but it is intended to be an expression of real love. And it finds that in marriage and no place else. People, though, are sadly deceived, especially in this world in which we live today, because Hollywood has made the big lie. And people are gullible and have fallen for it. God has laid down the rules. You follow the rules, you're going to find fulfillment and satisfaction and a meaningful relationship. You violate the rules and you're going to get hurt. You're going to get burned. 
Tamar disgraced, wearing this coat of many colors because all of the princesses and princes wore these colorful coats. And with the girls, it was a special robe that designated her virginity. Being kicked out of the house, the servants, he said to the servant, eject her, and she was forcefully ejected from the house. She put ashes on her head. She took her robe of virginity and ripped it. And she went crying down the street. Now, of course, it wasn't Tamar's fault at all. She was raped. Amnon was totally at fault in this thing. But the tragedy of the whole story is this. David, because of what he had done, couldn't discipline Amnon for it. He didn't say a thing to Amnon. There was no disciplining. There was no rebuking. David was a lousy father. Totally derelict in discipline. And he suffered the result of it in his children. That is no doubt the reason why Solomon wrote so much about the importance of disciplining children. He saw in his own family the effects of the lack of discipline because David was not a disciplinarian. Here he didn't say a thing to Amnon, another son that rebelled against him later on. It said that David never once said anything to displease that child. Now that doesn't make a child love you. The child actually hated David and rebelled against him. And Solomon, seeing this in, the own, in his own home, wrote so much about the importance of disciplining a child. The foolishness of the world is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of instruction driveth it far from him. If you spare the rod, you'll spoil the child. A child left to himself is going to bring disgrace to his mother. All of these things about the discipline, the necessity of discipline at home, because David was such a totally poor disciplinarian. But he felt his own guilt. And because of his own guilt, what he had done was really not much worse than what Amnon had done. And thus he did not feel that he could really speak to him about it. And Amnon was really sort of allowed to go without being punished. Except Absalom, the brother of Tamar, hated Amnon for this and waited his day. And two years later, he said to David, I want to throw a big party. I want all my brothers to come. And David said, oh, you know, why do you want to do that? I want the whole family. David said, oh, I'm too busy. I don't want to come. He said, well, if you don't come, then let Amnon come. David said, why do you want Amnon to come? Oh, I said, I, and he just was insisting. And so Amnon came to the party that Absalom threw. And Absalom said to his servants, kill him, thrust him through. And so the servants of Absalom took Amnon and they killed him. 
And Absalom fled to his grandfather. He fled to the city of the Gezerites. And if you will remember, David had made one of his incursions against the Gezerites, and he took the daughter of the king as his wife, and she bore Absalom. So actually, Absalom was heading as sort of a Bedouin type of a tribe, and he was heading to his grandfather's house on the other side to live with his grandfather and, and there be more or less protected from David's vengeance. And so Absalom fled to Gesher in verse 37, 38, 39. And he was there for three years to at Talmi, who was his, or Talmai, who was his mother's father, his grandfather. Now David longed to see Absalom. That's really now that Amnon is dead. He can't do anything for him. And he longs to see Absalom. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 2 Samuel on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 2 Samuel 12-13 through 13 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May God bless you and keep His hand upon your life, to guide, to strengthen, to bless. May the Lord be with you, and may you just recognize His nearness and His grace and His love and just be overwhelmed by the goodness of God. May the Lord bless, watch over, and keep you through Jesus Christ our This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. Have you ever had a friend who's not a believer and they ask you a question about the Bible and you're thrilled? Finally, they want to know about God, but then you go blank because you can't remember the scripture that would answer their very question. You're not alone. It happens to me all the time. And I think if only I had a quick scripture reference that would help me right then and there, that would be perfect. 
Well, guess what I found? Pastor Chuck's Old and New Testament study guides are available to download as ebooks instantly to your phone or mobile device. Now, whenever you need to find the meaning to a scripture reference quickly, you can. Pastor Chuck has written great little Bible commentaries to help anyone come to a better understanding of God's Word. To find out more and to read a book preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download the Old and New Testament study guides by Chuck Smith. Or if you would like to order these books in print, call the Word for Today at 800 272 9673.